0: Good morning, welcome to another episode of A Pastor and His People. I am Pastor Witt, here with Pastor Dave King. That's right. He's back, going through Acts 21. Yes. We finished Zephaniah. Yeah, it was a fantastic
1: series on Zephaniah. He did a fantastic job, by the way. Thank you. I listened to it while I was on the, in an airport in um, uh, Córdoba. It was wonderful. Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Mister Worldwide. They say it's
0: Pitbull, Well it's actually Dave King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Uh, Pitbull is not only a dog; it was a musical artist. Yes. And uh, anyways, uh, I, so we are I, back. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I reiterate the first statement. I have
1: no idea what you mean.
0: Uh, and we are in
1: Acts chapter
0: twenty-one. Yeah. Paul visits James.
1: Yeah. So this is it's unique, right? Because this is almost the second half of the book where. Uh, Paul has, for the last several chapters, has been kind of on his way to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's already done his three missionary journeys. He wrapped that up, went back to Antioch, and now he's going to Jerusalem. And at the end of our last section, at the end of uh, Acts 21, 15, 16, mm-hmm. he arrives in Jerusalem and, and visits the brothers, right? And then mm-hmm. the next two chapters, really almost two and a half chapters, is really all about this one scene and the continuation of it in his interaction with James and the elders in Jerusalem. Um, which is actually quite fascinating. When you first read it, you're kind of like, what's the real importance of this? But when you think about the the, the stage of Christianity in the, um, uh, at the time, it, it's huge. Plus, Luke gives it two and a half chapters. So right. 12 days is like two and a half chapters, where the next two chapters after that, 24 and 20, through 26, it's two years. Hmm. So for some reason, James thinks this scene is actually quite important. Yeah, I mean, it also seems like there's a lot of... In the uh, maybe
0: drama sense, right? It's been building up, like, people don't go to Jerusalem, don't go to Jerusalem. Suffering was waiting in you, and he finally gets there. And you're kind of,
1: I wonder what's going to happen. It's yeah, it seems like, honestly, it it feels anticlimactic the way this begins, right? You know, because, so, verse 17, when he comes to Jerusalem, the brothers receive this gladly. And again, like, (laughs) it's just okay, okay, that's great. Wait, no persecution? (laughs) (laughs) But also, like... I mean, I made the point, you know, this is the idea of like, you know, the saints sacrifice for one another, mm-hmm. like all the saints, all the Gentile Christians have been setting aside money for like, like 11 years, hmm. right? Paul has been collecting this money to bring to Jerusalem, to help the saints through the fa- in Jerusalem for the famine. And it's just like, oh, they received this gladly. It's almost, it's almost like he doesn't even mention the gift. And we know, we, we, mm-hmm. we know the gift came here, if there's a, you know, verse in... Acts twenty four seventeen 17, says, hey, this is when I, we brought the gift, and right. we know all throughout the epistles that, that this gift is happening, right. but it just seems very anticlimactic. Hmm. We got there, and they welcomed us, you know? Yeah. And sometimes I think when you read the scriptures, you have to understand the whole context, and I don't want to say we want to read things into the text, because we want to take right, things right. out of the text, but when, you, when we we're trying to take things out of the whole entire New Testament, Acts, Romans, First Corinthians, you know, Philippians, Galatians, in terms of what this offering does... I think it's pretty profound.
0: So what does this have, you know, we're not what this have to do with, but like, how do we take this text and be like, oh, that's great. Like, Paul to Jerusalem, gave them a gift. Is that it? Is there more that we should, I mean, your point, right, with celebrating, is there something there for us? Yeah, well, I think,
1: look, look at the, the, the big picture context of this passage, right? Um, there is an issue that Jewish Christians have with Gentiles, right? And the question is, is can you live as a Jew right, your tradition, your culture, your heritage, mm-hmm. and still live for Christ? Right. Well, the answer is yes, right, because Paul didn't turn his back on his Jewish heritage, right? Mm-hmm. And the Gentile Christians, like, can they live as Gentiles with their culture, their heritage, their, their norms, their mores, and live for Christ? Well, the mm-hmm. answer is yes. Now, the question in the New Testament is, can they coexist? Can a Jew live in his culture mm-hmm. and a Gentile live in his culture, and then can they live together as one body? That's one of the big questions, right? What would, in your mind, be the biggest difficulty for that? Because it seems
0: like, of course they could. But is there just a natural inside of each one of us when people do things the way that we don't like them done that it irks us? Well, you know? I,
1: I think there's some of that, of okay. course, because you know, we just know that experientially. right? But I think uniquely for the Jews, mm-hmm. you have to remember like the Jews have been living a unique, specific way for thousands of years, right? you know, their cultural norms of circumcision and how they honor the Sabbath and all those things, those were kind of woven into generations of mm-hmm. how they, how they lived. And now they're Christians and, you know, the, the argument that, you know, that James is concerned about, Hey, people are saying, Paul, you're telling people, you're telling the Jews who now are living among the Gentiles that they have to turn their back on Moses and circumcision mm-hmm. and, and, and their culture. Whoa, that doesn't seem right. And of right. course, Paul's not saying that, but you know, people are taking right. Jew and Gentiles, you have to live together. Because yeah. remember, for a Jew, they were not even allowed to eat in the same, under the same roof as a Gentile. Right. This is a huge deal right yeah. now. If I had more time, I could have gone to Ephesians 2, mm-hmm. how Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, he broke the wall of hostility mm-hmm. between Jew and Gentile. Right, so they're no longer two people, but now there's one people. Yeah. Right, so in the world, the way God has designed it, there's Jew and there's there's Gentile. Right, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Mm-hmm. Um, and now there's actually we actually can be one people. So how do we flesh this
0: out for us? You know, maybe on the, any given week, is there just a, hey, like let's, you mean, you mentioned it right, seek unity. Yeah, but is there anything like tangible more of like hey, these are ways we can pursue unity,
1: just even. You know, on a Thursday, you know. Sure. Well, I think, you know, one, this idea that we, we should be willing to lay each other, lay things down for one another, right? Mm-hmm. I think true sacrifice, when you're sacrificing your time, you're sacrificing your money, uh, you're giving people of yourself, that really does bring deep um, unity, mm-hmm. right? You can talk all you want, saying, yes, we want to um, be, a, be a unified church, but if it's all talk and no one really ever sacrifices for one another, right. that's not really a unified church. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so personally, the last several weeks have been, you know, up and down for the King family. You know, Ellen lost her dad. I've been traveling, you know, and we have felt tangible love from the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, people gave meals. Uh, people spent time um, caring for Ellen, sitting and listening to her. Mm-hmm. You know, she's processing, right? The family... The church family helped us even put on a service for her dad. Mm-hmm. And even thinking about that, thinking about Pastor Gary and Hope and how much time they spent with um Ellen's dad when mm-hmm. he was struggling in the battle battle with alcoholism, you know, those are very like real things. So mm-hmm. because of how Gary and Hope loved Jim when he was alive, it gives me a deep love and affection for Gary and Hope, mm-hmm. right? Um, so the sacrifice, they, it was sacrifice, it was time, it was money, gas, just you know, all that kind of thing. Right. But They, they love me and they love Ellen, so they gave themselves to them. Mm-hmm. That's going to create unity, right? And I think when you're speaking about Jew and Gentile in this context, you're talking about people who really have no reason, no reason to be like give themselves to one another. right? But they did, right? And I think that's the picture of the body of Christ is that we are not two, we're one. One faith, one Lord, one baptism. Yeah, that's good.
0: Um, and now, so now we move to, uh, the saints celebrate, is that right? Or Yeah, this
1: was yeah. a very small point, right? Verse 19, uh, after greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God, right? right. I think so often when we hear about God doing great things in other people's lives or other people's ministries, we want to know why can't that happen in ours, mm-hmm. right? You know, so obviously we're... Um, doing this podcast on the road, right on the um, road. You know, on the road, uh, coming to the unite Conference, you know we have the the, the reaching and teaching pre conference today, learning about missions, and we get to hear story after story today and tomorrow about what God is doing all throughout the United States and the world right, mm-hmm. and when we 're going to hear about you know a new church plant starting in Italy mm-hmm. right, or how God is raising up elders in a church in Turkey mm-hmm. or how god is is developing and discipling someone. Uh, to maybe plant a church in Bogota, Colombia. Yeah. Like we're we're not going to say, oh man, why did that not happen in my church? No, we're going to say, oh praise God, yeah. praise God for what He's doing there, right? You know, even like I think it's harder maybe for us. It's easier maybe for us in the states to rejoice when things are happening overseas. But what about the church that's down the street, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like so people come to our church and then they go to Pioneer, mm-hmm. right? Now, when someone chooses Pioneer over Park, my, my, my fleshly re- interaction is, oh, that stinks, right? I want them to come to our church, right? <laughs> yeah. But in the, in the spirit, I can say, praise God. Why? Yeah. Because God assigns people to his church as he sees fit, because he wants to use their gifts for building up the body of Christ. And I want to rejoice in that, right? Mm-hmm. And this is why I think that we just have to say, okay, God is in control. We just want to be faithful for the lot he's put in front of us. Right. You know, so I think that, I think what they did here, they celebrated the work that God did mm-hmm. among the Gentiles, yeah. right? Um, rather than question and are suspicious of it. If you read Acts 11, they were suspicious. Mm-hmm. And even after Peter shared his whole entire story about the, the speaking in tongues and the the dramatic... Um, Cornelius. Yeah, yeah, with Cornelius. After he shared that, it said that they were silent. Hmm. They didn't know what to say, right? Yeah. And now their response, they heard it, they glorified God. Right. So there's a, even in that, there's a pro- progression that's happened. Hmm. So I don't want to make, spend a lot of time on it, but I think that it's just important... And again, just for application's sake, it's not just for churches. It's for us as friends, right? right. Like when we see something happening in somebody else's life, mm-hmm. you know, hey, I, I really want to get married mm-hmm. and your girlfriend um, that, that you are really close with, she finds someone and she gets engaged. You can mope and say, Lord, why are you not giving me my spouse? You know, my dreams and my desires. Right. Or you can say, praise God for my friend. Yeah. I'm so happy for her, right? Yeah. Because God's in can charge of all those things. I think
0: the, the challenging part with that, though, is... Like, I think I mean, you got to know that, right? It's in our flesh. And that's where, like, these things just don't happen naturally, right? It's um, having your quiet times. It's praying. It's heredity church. Being with the body. You have your heart in a, in a place where you care more about the honor and glory of God than ourselves. Yeah. And so when those things arise... Right. I think that's kind of the idea of like how we react kind of tells us a little bit of where we're at with the Lord. It's like, do I care more about... Because God? God would be pleased with this. God yes. is happy with these things. So why am I not happy? Why do I not have the same perspective as God? It's It seems like maybe, okay, I need to do some more heart work. And, and I don't think it's like, once again, it's just a one-off like, hey, in this moment, force yourself to be happy. I think it's part of like, I want to be in a place where When I see things, my natural reaction is, praise God.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One of the things, I think think Tim Keller hits this right when he says, true humility is not thinking less about yourself, but thinking about yourself less. You know, so I am, you know, when I preach a sermon, and if I'm really nervous and worried about how the sermon was received, I'm just thinking way too much about myself, right? Mm. I'm actually really happy that after I finish a sermon, I'm thinking about, other things, right? That right. I'm not worried about how was I received because right. that just tells me that I'm, Oh, I'm not really concerned as much about that. Right. And I know that when that happens, it's a work of the Holy spirit, right? right? So I think what's happening here in acts, it's a work of the Holy spirit where the Gentiles are, are, um, God's doing work among the Gentiles and the, and the Jewish Christians, Jewish believers are rejoicing mm-hmm. in it. Um, um now the, 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 bulk of this chapter really is this idea of strategizing, which, which is right. our next point.
0: Let's say yeah.
1: strategize. So, so obviously James is saying, okay, you guys are here, and guys, people are talking about you, and people are saying that you're going to for, forsake Moses. You're telling the, the Jews mm-hmm. who live among the Gentiles, right? So, Jews who are now living in a Gentile community.
0: Yeah, because Paul's now in Jerusalem. He's, right? now he's in not Jerusalem. Like, out he's in no the He's no longer.
1: But doing all his ministry among the Gentiles. And right. Now he's back with his brethren, right? The people right. that he's zealous for. Um, and people are talking about you, Paul, and they're <laughs> nervous, right? They're saying that you're saying this. And again. It's getting around, Paul. <laughs> first of all, we know just. So just so we're clear, Paul did not forsake his Jewish heritage, right? He had a deep affection for his to follow the law, right? Even if you read, you know, Philippians, right? Mm-hmm. Chapter three, right? You know, you want to talk about lineage? You want to talk about being a Jew? <laughs> Let me just tell you about who I am, yeah. right? Um, he kind of lays that out. It uh, even says, listen, I, I, but I'm willing to change. willing will become all things, to all people. So that people might become Christians. People might be saved yeah. from hell to, some, to heaven. Some. Like some. Yeah. yeah. We're not going to save all. Um so and I think this is you know, I've got to spend a lot of time here, right? Mm-hmm. Because listen, who is making these decisions? It's it's James and the elders of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. They're together. They're thinking about the community at large at Jerusalem. How can we shepherd this church? How can we care for these people? And and they're saying, Hey Paul, what's gonna help this church is if you do this, mm-hmm. right? You go and you pay the the, you know, the the purification, mm-hmm. you know, uh, cost for these men, um, so they can finish their vows of purification. And then everyone will know that you're actually not violating any Jewish customs. Right. Right. And I, and I think it's really more for people who would actually hear him. If you go on in chapter, um, the rest of chapter 22 and 23, this idea of, of Paul's testimony becomes a very, very big deal. Right. Mm-hmm. Paul kind of shares what happened to him on the road to Damascus and all the different things happen in his ministry. And I think really, what I think Luke is trying to show is that, you know, Paul's life is above reproach. Hmm. I haven't, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I could, I could admit how true or, you know, I've been ready to scholarly work on this. Okay, um, But it's so. Brace yourselves, people. It's, it's, <laughs> it's so interesting to me how much Paul's life and acts mirrors the lord jesus Hmm. right there's just this i didn't never saw it before but it happens time and time again so i'm reading commentaries and like different sections will say and just like the lord jesus paul went through this and like so i think that what um so at the end of luke's gospel right Mm -hmm. um luke 23 there's this refrain innocent 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 innocent, Mm -hmm. innocent speaking about um about jesus right and it feels like very similar, this is kind of going the same direction. Paul is being put on trial. He's being accused unjustly. Mm-hmm. And I think what's going to be happening is you'll see that he is innocent. He's innocent. He's innocent. He's innocent, He's innocent against the charge of, of violating, for forsaking his his custom. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I'd have to I tease that out more. But I think there's something that, you know, because even remember what Jesus had to Paul, you're going to suffer for mm-hmm. my namesake, right? right? It almost seems like, you know, even in what he writes in Colossians 2 or Colossians 1, that he's filling up the sufferings that mm-hmm. were incomplete in Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning that I'm going to continue to do what Christ did. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, there's something there, right? So mm-hmm. here, uh, I just appreciate that Paul was willing to submit and listen to the elders in Jerusalem mm-hmm. on what was best for their church, yeah. right? And I think this is really important for us as we think about helping other churches and working with other churches. We don't know other churches as well as the elders of their church do, right? Right? And I would even say even our own church, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's people in our church who know lots about our church, but you don't know maybe what the elders know. You don't know different particular sin struggles of an individual. Uh, You don't know the backstory of of, of pain and Mm -hmm. and maybe um, sorrow or abuse in someone's life Mm -hmm. and so because of that, I, there's there's an element that you do need to trust your elders in terms of how they're leading because maybe their knowledge is, right. is more advanced than yours. Yeah, I think I
0: heard a, there was a controversy among a, a celebrity pastor recently and just talking to one brother, he was kind of saying, I mean, because I, 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 I don't keep up with any of it. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I was like, what do you think? And he's like, honestly, he's like, I think we should just trust the elders at the church that they're making the right decision. I was like, Yep, checks out. (laughs) Sounds good to me. You know, they probably do know uh, more than we do. You know, that seems to be the case. And they're elders at the church for a reason. Yeah, and
1: listen, it may not always be the right decision. But there is an element of like, you know, you don't really know what's going on. Mm -hmm. You don't really have Like, we want to know. And like, people love gossip. And like, they see those headlines and they want to read them. And they kind of, they, they want to eat them up. But man, just trust the elders, right? And I just appreciate that James and the elders said, this is what we want you to do. And Paul's like, okay. If you think this is best for your church, that's what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. So,
0: So is there something here for us, right? Because I mean, we're kind of at the end, right? So, practical application is there something here of like having a heart of submission? Would you say primarily here to the elders of the church, or would you say just in day to day life? Like, how does it? What does this look like? Uh,
1: Well, I think there's there's I think there's two big applications here. One is you really need to um, give yourself to the body of Christ. You know, so it was interesting when I was preparing this. And again, like the the nature of the time you have mm-hmm. for a, a translated service is a little bit tight. But there is something about the uniqueness of Park Baptist Church having two primarily distinct cultures, mm-hmm. right? So I say that with a caveat because there is. There's always subcultures. Right? Right. You have Hispanic culture in general. Then you have Hispanic culture in, in Mexico or in, in Dominican Republic. Those right. are different cultures. Uh, right. So not all Hispanics are the same way. Yeah. But there is a general more of a Hispanic culture and more of a maybe a, a traditional American culture. Mm-hmm. Well, those are different cultures. And I think in our church, what we're trying to do is we're trying to say, no, we're actually one culture of Christ, mm-hmm. which is both sides, right, wherever you're coming from, are trying to lay their preferences down, yeah. lay their desires down for one another and that displays that jesus christ is real right Mm -hmm. this unity right we talk about this all the time our unity and how we love one another helps people believe that the father has sent jesus Mm -hmm. right so like we're we're it's not just i'm willing to endure with certain things no i'm willing to lay my preferences down because i want people to get saved Hmm. Because Jesus says that if you love one another in such a unique and powerful way, it will not make sense to the world and it will draw people to his name Mm -hmm. and people will be rescued from the gates of hell and be ushered into the kingdom of God, right? Right? So it's not just a, well, we need to be nice to one another. Hmm. Yes, but there's Hmm. this cosmic thing that's happening. So I think for me, that was probably one of the very clear applications I saw in this text. Hmm. Um, You know, the other one I think you you probably hit on like, when the elders think through what is best for the life of the church and strategizing, um, you know, we have some big decisions that we're trying to think through as a church. Right. Um, and we're asking conversations with members and trying to discern what is the overall will of the Holy Spirit for our church in this time. Mm-hmm. You know, God has given us lots of opportunity right now to impact the world. He's given us very, maybe a unique way to raise up pastor elders. I mean, we just sent out, you know, we're sending out Mark Watts, he was, you know, presented to the church at Stony Fork yesterday, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, so God's given us a very, you know, specific task. I think, and kind of gifted our church. Well, how does He want us to use? How do you use our gifts? Well, we're trying to think through that. We're trying to strategize. Okay, how do we leverage the gifts God's given Park for His namesake? Right. And we're just trying to think through that. So that's that's part of the idea of strategizing and submitting to the elders. I, I would say is, as an application point.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. Uh, I know we're out of time. Uh right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we are at Unite Conference. Yep. You know, they may not, you know, people listening to this may not know what that is. Maybe give a quick overview of because a lot of our staff is here. Sure. maybe. Yeah.
1: So we uh, are at Unite, which is the, the national conference for the, the Pillar Network. Uh, Pillar is, is a group of uh, like-minded uh, churches that want to be theologically aligned so that we can be missionally driven. Mm-hmm. Um, there's over 300 churches across the United States uh, and the world. And the main job that we want to do is that we want to collaborate for the sake of, of the kingdom of God, Mm -hmm. right? So we want to come together and figure how can we leverage our relationships, leverage our resources to help encourage more gospel work, whether that's Mm -hmm. to revitalize it, revitalize work. So when we planted pioneer replanted that church, every single one of the churches in our Charlotte region supported that plant in some way, Mm -hmm. right? Financially with mission teams, uh, with people, uh, when we, uh, Planted, helped plant Bangkok City Baptist Church in Thailand. Right, our church and others in our region came together and said, "Let's do this." And then we sent you guys there with the help of other churches. Right. Um, even when we planted the church in, in Paraguay, that's a, a pillar church in Paraguay. Right, uh, with Marcos and Willie Whit Riversat, with two of our missionaries from Park, that uh, we helped plant with another pillar church in Puerto Rico. Hmm. So like, we're just trying to say, how do we leverage our resources together? To help see new 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 work happen, right. uh, so this is our kind of our our equipping conference. We're trying to equip one another, and you know, just when we go to these conferences, a lot of what we do outside of just sitting and learning, it's developing relationships, strengthening relationships we already have, and then developing new ones that potentially could be um, long term partnerships for our church. Yeah, Amen.
0: Yeah, I think uh, just talking with some other guys, right? I think one thing that sticks out with this conference is the relation relational you know component of that often described, right, like a, like a little family reunion, right, uh, yeah, it's the cousins who like each other, right, like, just, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's kind of, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: It, it's going to be really unique, and like, and I mean, I, you know, obviously, you've been coming now for what, six years, Something like that, this yeah. and it's been great to see the different relationships that are developed, and, and even, I honestly, part of the highlights of this conference today, and the conference that's going to be, uh, shown in our you know, video that should be shown at a conference mm-hmm. is that our partnership with Bangkok City mm-hmm. and you're helping to encourage them is a huge like highlight of, of what we want to see mm-hmm. uh, God do throughout the world mm-hmm. so
0: so if, if you would uh faithful listeners uh just be praying for the church right that we would uh apply these things that we heard and, and you know listening submitting celebrating right sacrificing for the glory of God we'll also be praying for us as we're at this conference that. The Lord would use it. Um, so, Dave, would you mind praying yeah. us
1: out? Uh, Father, we love you. We thank you so much for uh, Paul's willingness to submit to the elders uh, in Jerusalem. We thank you for the elders in Jerusalem and their love uh, for the Gentiles, God. Um, we thank you for the Gentile Christians who had sacrificed their money uh, for the saints in Jerusalem. God, we just pray that our church would do likewise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.